Welcome to the Story Story Night podcast, where you hear true stories on a theme, recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm your host, Jessica Holmes. This week, our dessert course, so to speak, from the delectable full plate, stories of biting off more than you can chew, our November 2011 show. First up, Jocelyn Jodry gets more than a mouthful of what her mouthy grandma dishes out. Hi, uh, my name is Jocelyn Jodry. I just moved here about six months ago from Portland, Oregon. Um, I've had a full-time job since I was 14. I believe in earning everything that I have. I'm not rich, I'm not powerful, I'm not successful. I'm just your average person here to tell a story tonight. This story is about my grandmother, Alvina Brock. She stood 5'5", weighed about 250 pounds, reeked of Elizabeth Taylor's white diamonds, and always from her hand, she had an unfiltered Pall Mall cigarette. If you've ever seen Adam West's old Batman, she looked like the penguin. Um, <laughs> imagine him with no teeth and a bunch of wrinkles. That was my grandma. She didn't have the cool killer umbrella, though, but that was the only thing missing. So our bond began about 18 years ago in the small town of Anchorage, Alaska. It was me and my twin brother's fourth birthday party, and um, we were at the local Sherry's for dinner. Now, at the table is me and my twin brother in our matching MC Hammer pants, <laughs> my mom, my dad, and my grandma with her Pall Mall cigarette in hand, and the entire Sherry's restaurant bear witness to this party. Um, we were the only twins in town, so everybody wanted to watch the twins open their presents. <laughs> so it's present time, and my mom gives me my gift, and inside is an African-American Barbie doll. Now, I've never seen a black person before, and my mom thought it'd be a great idea to introduce culture into my young life. So I take out the Barbie doll, and I start savagely gnawing on the legs of this Barbie doll. And I take the Barbie doll, I throw it at my mom, and I said, Mom, that is the worst tasting chocolate I have ever eaten. <laughs> the entire restaurant goes silent, and all you hear is a flick of a lighter, and my grandma say, yep, that's my granddaughter. <laughs> Ever since that day, she just loved me so much, and I just loved her so much. And um, I remember her telling me since I was six years old that she wishes I was her daughter because we'd had all those cool times together. And needless to say, I always got the best Christmas present, so I was the loved one in the family. So flash forward 11 years. Um, I'm 15 years old, and I'm on a plane from Portland to go visit my grandma in Anchorage. The last 20 minutes of the flight... Mother Nature comes knocking on my door, and I went from the change of being a child to a woman. Now, I was very naive at 15. I had no idea what to do. Um, the most experience I had with this was, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, by Judy Bloom. <laughs> so I go to the bathroom, and I prom wrap myself and wait anxiously for that 20 minutes to end. Flight lands. I jump off the plane. I grab my grandma. I throw her in the bathroom. I said, Grandma, I started my you-know-what. And she goes... I got this. <laughs> out of her purse, she pulls out a Depends adult diaper. <laughs> Shut up, I'm not done. Hold on. <laughs> and me being naive, I said, Grandma, is that what you're supposed to do? Yep, these are your women undies. You are privileged to wear them now. <laughs> no sex ed in middle school ever told me about the Depends diaper for this scenario. <laughs> but why would my grandma lie to me? So I believed her. 
I go to the bathroom stall and I change and during this time in my life I was wearing very tight stretchy jeans so by God you can see the entire outline of this the band's life. <laughs> So I change, and I go out the stall, and I'm in the mirror, and I'm singing, I feel like a woman by Shania Twain, and <laughs> I'm popping my hips in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, I'm a woman now, I'm sexy. <laughs> I was so stupid. <laughs> so I go out the bathroom, and my grandma's there, and I just had this huge wave of confidence come over me. I'm like, all right, grandma, let's roll. I'm catwalking throughout the entire terminal, I'm winking at cute boys. Picking up my luggage, really sexy. Because <laughs> that's what women do, they be sexy, right? So I get in the car and my grandma starts hysterically laughing at me. And I said, Grandma, what's so funny? Jocelyn, you're wearing an adult diaper. <laughs> I cried so hard. Needless to say, the next morning I switched out her aspirin for X-Lax, so I felt like I got her back. <laughs> We had one of those um, no penalty kind of loves, so no matter what she did to me, no matter what I did to her, we always loved each other at the end. Um, it was kind of like Dolores Claiborne and the older woman she took care of, except I didn't kill my grandma with a frying pan. <laughs> but I definitely thought about it. <laughs> so now I'm 19 years old. Um, I'm living in Aberdeen, Washington, and I'm firefighting. I'm making a bunch of money for my age. I um, have a full-ride scholarship for basketball. I'm in nursing school. I'm surrounded by all these great people and great friends. And I was in this point in my life where I said, this is where I want to be forever. And I thought nothing would ever change. And then I get a phone call from my grandma. And she says, Jocelyna, I have lung cancer. Now, no matter how much you try to prepare for this moment, you are never prepared for it. I mean, my whole heart just broke and my whole world just came tumbling down. And I snapped out of it and I said, all right, Grandma, you're going to move to Idaho after chemotherapy. I'm going to come take care of you. End of story. She said, all right, Jocelyn, I love you. I'll meet you in Idaho. So two months later, I, um, I quit my job, got rid of all my money, lost my basketball career, gave up all my friends. I mean, I literally gave up everything in my life to take care of the last part of this person's life. And I was okay with it. You know, I loved her more than anything, so I just wanted her to be happy. So I get to Idaho, and um, she's outside smoking a Pall Mall cigarette. I never understood why she continued to smoke, even though it was killing her, but it's just one of those things you'll never know. She's lost about 50 pounds. She has four Homer Simpson hairs on her head. Um, yeah, it was hard to see her like that, but... And I went up to her and gave her a big hug and a kiss, and I said, all right, Grandma, I'm here for the long run. Let's do this. She said, all right, Jocelyn, I love you. I'm glad you're here. And that was the beginning of the next year of my life. Um, the next morning, I wake up at 7 a.m., which is very early for a 19-year-old who's used to waking up at noon. <laughs> how responsible I was. And um, I get her out of bed, and I put her on the couch, make her toast, coffee, get the news on, and she says, Jocelyn, I'd really love to play cribbage with you. Please go grab the cribbage board. And I said, absolutely, Grandma. So I go grab the cribbage board, and I come back, and she says, Jocelyn, you need to finish your cup of coffee, because I know you'd be distracted the whole game. I was like, all right, that's weird. So I just down my entire cup of coffee. And within a minute and a half of playing, I am violently itching. I'm throwing up everywhere. I'm dizzy. I said, Grandma, call 911. I think I'm dying. Jocelyn, you're not dying. She, out of her breast pocket, she pulls out a vial of morphine, and half of it is gone. She says, you're not dying. I put morphine in your coffee. Now you know who's boss. <laughs> I didn't know to be boss, you had to drug someone. 
If only I knew that earlier in life, I would have drugged myself to get ahead, you know, but. <laughs> so for the next uh, year, I mean, I'm taking care of her 24-7. She's drugging me all the time, too. God, she put it in my egg. She put it in my coffee. One time she got really smart and put it in my toothbrush. I never knew a woman with a walker could be so freaking sneaky. <laughs> so 24-7, I'm taking care of her. I mean, I'm changing her diapers. I'm cleaning her. I'm bathing her. I'm feeding her. I'm taking her all her doctor appointments, you know? I mean, I was doing literally everything for this woman because she couldn't do it. I only got about three hours of sleep at night. Um, I'd be up until midnight counting her pills, make sure everything was laid out for the next day, and... When you have lung cancer, you make terrible noises at night, and I'd always wake up and just go check to make sure she was still breathing or wasn't choking on her phlegm. It was hard. Um, it was really hard to see someone you love just die in front of you every day. Um, I was a power of attorney, so I had to make huge decisions at 19 that I know most 60-year-olds couldn't make, you know? I decide if she goes on life support, do I pull the plug or keep her alive? Um, if her heart gives out, do I resuscitate her or do we just let her go peacefully? It was really hard to make a decision about somebody else's life that I could even make about my own. And um, I was supposed to be 19, you know, I was supposed to be out partying, I was supposed to be out meeting friends and starting my life, but nope. People would call me and be like, hey, Jocelyn, let's go longboarding. Uh, nope, can't. Grandma coughed up lung balls today, I gotta clean them up. Or, hey, Jocelyn, let's go to a movie. Nope, grandma's bath day, no one's here to take care of her. But I, I felt like it was worth it. I mean, I loved her so much, so it felt good to do that for her. So seven months rolls by, and it's around my birthday. Um, during this time of my life, I had very long hair. It was down to my hip. Check my Facebook if you don't believe me. <laughs> and I hear her crying downstairs. And I went downstairs, like, God, Grandma, why are you crying now? Jocelyn, you don't know what it's like to be ugly. I look like the Crypt Keeper. I said, Grandma, be real. The Crypt Keeper has more teeth than you have. <laughs> and she laughed, and she started crying again, and... She's like, Jocelyn, you know what it's like to be ugly and lose all your hair? And you're so vain. And I was like, me vain? How am I vain? And out of anger, I grabbed the scissors off the nightstand, I cut off 17 inches of hair, and I put it on top of her head, and I said, there. Now you look like Cousin It. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went upstairs, and I buzzed my head, and I was like, all right, Grandma, at least we can be ugly together now. And she started laughing. She's like, well, we're definitely going to be ugly together, and I'm definitely going to start calling you my grandson Joshua from now on. <laughs> I loved her. She was so freaking cool. <laughs> um, I uh, realized I bit off more than I can chew. Um, it was about two months after that. I'm up in my room, and it's about 10 o'clock at night, and um, I hear her go to the bathroom by herself. I was like, crap, she can't go to the bathroom by herself. So I ran downstairs, and she's sitting on the toilet, and she looks over at me, and she says, Jocelyn, the buckets have holes. There's holes in the bucket. And I was just like, shit. Cancer's in her brain. This is very bad. I got freaked out for a minute, and then I was like, all right, got to get her to bed. So I went to the bathroom, and I pick her up. I'm like, come on, Grandma, you can do it. You're 15 steps away from bed. You can do it. So I pick her up. She grabs onto her walker, and she's really weak right now, so I'm holding up most of her weight. And I'm cheering her on. I'm just like, come on, Grandma, you can do it. And she's cheering on. She's like, yeah, Jocelyn, I can do it. Who knew that 20 years before that day that she was changing my diapers and coaxing me to walk to her and 20 years later, I'm changing her diapers and doing the same for her, you know? I bet she never thought that would happen. So I snap back out of it, and I'm now holding it for two and a half hours, and she accidentally throws her walker down the hallway. So now I'm holding up all this woman with all of my might, and I'm dripping sweat. My muscles feel like they're ripping off my body. And she's screaming and praying to God, saying, please, God, don't let Jocelyn drop me. Please, God, give her the strength to hold on. Please, don't let her let me fall. 
I said, Grandma, I can't hold on anymore. And I'm just shaking and I ended up fainting. And she screamed the entire way down, this blood curling, just terrible scream. And um, sorry. I cracked my head against the wall and um, she fell safely on top of me. And I'm just dripping sweat. My heart's just pounding against her back. And all she said was, Jocelyn, I don't want to die. And she put her head right here. And um, yeah, that was really hard. I thought my grandma was immortal. I, uh, I never thought she would die. And when she said that, it just murdered my soul, you know? I couldn't watch the love of my life die anymore. I couldn't watch a person I've admired my entire life just die in front of me anymore. I really loved her, and it was really hard to hear that. So she heals up um, two weeks later, and I just lost it. I went into a room. I said, Grandma, I hate you. I'll never forgive you. You couldn't give up smoking for me. You're 70 years old. You could have had another 20 years with me. You could have saw me meet the love of my life. You could have saw me get married. You could have saw my grandbabies. You could have saw me grow. You could have saw me be the woman you've always wanted me to be. But you were too selfish, and I'll never forgive you for that. I hate you. And she looks at me and takes a drag of her cigarette. <laughs> and she says, Jocelyn, I couldn't stand you for another 20 years. <laughs> and I laughed and I gave her a big hug and I said, Grandma, I just love you so much. She said, Jocelyn, I love you too. You're my world. That was the uh, last time I saw my grandmother alive. The next morning I packed up all my things and I just left. I mean, I couldn't do it anymore. I was 19, 20 I guess now. And um, it was just so hard to see the person I love most die every day. So I move, and um, for the next month, my grandma's calling me every day saying, please, Jocelyn, come back and take care of me. I miss you. I need you to be here. Please come back. I love you. I miss you. And I just had to tell her every day, I'm sorry, Grandma. I can't do it. I'm so sorry. She um, ended up dying later that month. And um, for those of you who have lost a loved one before, you know what it feels like. And uh, for those of you who haven't, it kind of feels like you're walking up a flight of stairs in the dark and you think there's an extra step than there really is and then your foot flies through the air for that last step and you get that feeling of like this empty surprise. It's kind of what it feels like and it's not a good feeling. <laughs> so she died and um, I hated myself. Oh my God. I, for the next six months, I spiraled downhill. I did things I never thought I'd do. I hated everyone. I hated myself and I couldn't forgive myself for not sticking out for one more month, you know? And it hurt me so bad. And then one day I woke up and I said, oh my God, I got to do something people wish they got to do. I got to tell someone I love them every day. I got to hold someone while they were crying and they were scared to die. I got to be that everything to someone. I got to ask her questions about life that people wish they got to ask. I got to ask her, Grandma, what do I do when I fight with my mom and you're not around? What do I do when my dad finally calls and begs for forgiveness? Do I forgive him? What's your biggest fear? What's your biggest regret? What's something you wish you've always done? What's your proudest moment, you know? I got a chance to ask all these great things about life, and a lot of people don't get a chance to do that. So I'm very fortunate for that. If there's um, one thing you can grasp from the story tonight is that um, hate is easy, and love takes courage. And it takes a lot of courage to say what you want to say. And it takes even more courage to give up everything for someone you love. Um, never take someone for granted, because you never know if you get the next day to apologize. You know, So always speak from your heart and always love. Today is actually my grandma's birthday, so um, I feel very privileged to tell this story tonight. Um, happy birthday, Grandma. Love you, miss you, and thank you all for listening.
Thanks, Jocelyn. Tonight, December 26th, a post-Christmas story special as Story Story Night unwraps happiness. Stories of the Pursuit at the Rose Room at 7 p.m. Advance tickets are on sale until 4 p.m. at storystorynight.com. And plenty more tickets will be available at the door starting at 6. Make merry tonight with a season brightener. Next up, story slammer Ben Dykus taste tests Christmas dinner at wartime. Oh, my apologies to all you Black Friday survivors. I'm going to tell you a Christmas story. <laughs> this story involves a, um, uh, a, a, a mongrel dog and a very, very kind dysfunctional family and a considerable amount of uh, your neighbor, which is a uh, Dutch gin, <laughs> and a graduate student, which was me. <laughs> the setting is um, uh, Delft, Holland, and the time was about uh, 10 years after World War II. So Holland was uh, a country uh, still struggling with uh, economically survival from the war. And I was over there as a graduate student because uh, life was much more inexpensive over there than here. A bottle of Heineken's was 10 cents in those days. And uh, I uh, like to hang out uh, at a pub called The Anchor, which was run by the Skilperoot family. And uh, it was, that's the CD pub I was speaking of. And uh, I brought uh, many foreign students uh, who were also at the university in there with me. So I became very good friends of uh, the owner, Leo, and his brother, Hank, and uh, the rest of the family. And so uh, it came to be Christmas time, and the Dutch, of course, don't celebrate Christmas on the 25th as we do. They celebrate St. Nicholas Day on the uh, 6th of December. And they very kindly asked me to join them for uh, Christmas dinner. And so I, uh, I arrived, and we were sitting down in the, their little dining room in the back of the pub. And uh, there was, a, as I remember, a bowl of potatoes and some onions and some vegetables. And then the centerpiece of this Christmas dinner was a very small piece of canned meat that looked somewhat like a can of spam. <laughs> uh, anyway, a little ham, and uh, and we uh, gathered around the table, more of us, I thought, than could possibly uh, enjoy this a little t- t- morsel of meat, but these were hard times, and so I was very grateful to be with them. And this was not a praying family, but we talked a little bit about the, uh, uh, you know, maybe the magic of the moment, and uh, in the magic of the moment, the mongrel dog jumped up on the table and grabbed the ham and ran off. <laughs> I was astounded. And the women of the family jumped up and ran after the dog. And the remaining men at the table poured some more yenever. And pretty soon the uh, women came back with the ham. And much to my astonishment, it was put back on the plate and the 
in the center of the table. And they all, as proper uh, host family, looked at me and said, Ben, please help yourself. (laughs) So I decided the best defense here was to propose a number of toasts. until we'd all had a considerable amount of your neighbor. And uh, then I braved it. And I think I enjoyed one of the most memorable Christmas dinners of my life. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is brought to you by our fearless leaders, yours truly, Jessica Holmes. Anna Dimitriadis, and James Stead, as well as studio instructors Elizabeth McKenna and Kate Riley. Theme song, music, and podcast production are by the cornucopia of awesome Dan Costello. Hear more at hearcostello.com. Our partners include Boise State Public Radio, the Boise State Story Initiative, Neighborhood All-Stars, The Rose Room, Bricolage, and Red Feather. A big thanks goes out to our story think tank, volunteers, and photographer Will Jones. Join us on the podcast next week for the first ray from happiness, happening December 26th. Learn more at storystorynight.com. <laughs>